I'm going to choose to do life my way. I'm going to really try hard to care more about what I think and what I want than what everybody else does. And so I moved to my life that way, which made me then become the live sound engineer and everything like that. So, so I didn't think that I lived a life of shoulds. I did what I wanted regardless of whatever the people thought about me. Like I really did live that way. Not saying it was easy. It's still not. What's up and welcome to the very best self podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown. And today I have Trisha Huffman on the podcast, you guys. She is the author of F the Shoulds Do the Wants. And I'm fully obsessed with that title. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, But anyway, so today we are going to talk about releasing what you think that you should do and replacing that with being true to yourself and having integrity to do what things that you want to do and what brings you joy. So we're going to talk a lot about getting rid of the shoulds. We're going to talk a lot about joy. Uh, We're going to talk about Trisha's story and how she got to where she is and some defining moments that she kind of went through that brought her to where she is today. And I'm so excited to have her on and so honored to have her as a guest. So let's get into it. All right. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Brown. Today, I have Trisha Huffman on the podcast. She is the author of F the Shoulds, Do the Wants, among a million and trillion and one other things that she does. She has a podcast of her own. She is a coach. You are just doing all of the things. You have merch. You have all of the stuff. Um, But mainly today, we're going to talk about your book. So congrats on the new book. Uh, I love the title, by the way, F the Shoulds, Do the Wants. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Yes. So you are a joyologist. And I want to talk about that first before we get into the book, because I'm particularly intrigued by that term. Um, And so were you, did you self-coin yourself a joyologist? This is before the book. How did this come to be? Yeah. So I was, I did not appoint myself as a joyologist, but what I did was create a role for myself that I saw was needed And the title was then bestowed upon me that, okay, Trisha is the joyologist and it stuck. (laughs) And over the years, I've gone back and forth on, do I keep this? Because then when I eventually launched a website and everything, like it was, it's your joyologist, my, yeah, my brand is your joyologist, um, that, but it works because all the stuff that I do, it's not like only choose joy and only look at the good. Like what I'm really all about is look at the reality, like face, look at your doubts, look at your fears, question the shoulds, question what's coming at you from the world and also in your mind and like then choose, you know, your reaction to it. And also just life is hard. Life can be really unfair. (laughs) Um, And so that's why please make some space, any space for joy every single day. It's not like forget all the hard stuff and the bad stuff and only look at joy, but like, please, we need to add some joy into our lives because there is so much happening at all times. Do you want to know how I actually got the title? Um, So I was a a touring sound engineer. Uh, I toured with bands controlling what they heard. And that was like my biggest dream that I made happen, even though I didn't know like what it was called. So I toured the world doing that. And I loved what I was doing. Um, And my dad passed away suddenly 
like while I was about to leave for tour. And that shook me up more than I ever expected anything to. I just saw a quote the other day, like, yeah, you don't really understand grief until you're there. Like, and I really didn't, but it shook me up. And I went from the funeral and still continued on on tour. And I just like really wanted to shake people up. Like I was like, I am grieving. I'm miserable because my dad just died. And I also realized I have no idea what's going on with these people that I'm passing on the streets and all that, but also just wanted to shake them. Like your life could end tomorrow. We hear it all the time, but that's the truth. Like my dad just had a accident. There was an accident happened and he's gone. And so I just like wanted to wake people up because I also saw that these people that I was working for, I was living my biggest dream, but they were living their really biggest dream. They were singing their own songs on stage in front of thousands of people, uh, you know, had all these adoring fans, could buy everything they wanted, would buy the same pair of shoes over and over, forgetting that they had it. And that was just like funny, like private jets, even had amazing people in their lives. Cause there of course can be toxic relationships in any life, but seeing that they had it all, but yet still like they didn't seem like everything was hunky dory and everything's great. Like we think once I have this, then I'll be, be happy. Then I'll feel successful. Then I'll feel enough. Right. Like once I have, and these people had everything and yet we're still struggling with all the regular things that us humans did and looked miserable half the times. And so that really just was like, I need to do something to shake people up. I took a year off. I quit everything. I quit my life. I had a whole tour planned out for me with like my favorite people to tour with. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. I have to figure out something else to do. That is where then the book sort of comes from because I gave up the word should, but we can, we'll jump to that later. But basically I ended up going back on tour um, I started with the world that I knew and I was like, I want to do something so that these people that are, you know, so living their dream lives are actually enjoying it. So I went back on the road and created a role for myself to be the, like keeping uh, these artists and other people on tour inspired and healthy in body and mind. And they gave me the title of joyologist and it okay. stuck. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So you were infusing joy uh, in these artists and the other people on the tour uh, in their lives. Yeah. And it was, you know, like that included like putting affirmations uh, in the dressing rooms and on stage for them to look down and see, because, you know, you can get like, oh, I hit the wrong chord or this or getting your head about stuff. Like that's a thing too. Like, you know, and they're like, oh, look down, like, okay, just be present or just enjoy the moment. So, so that sort of stuff. I also, at that time I got certified at a yoga instructor when I got, so that was part of it. But also a lot of it was just giving them this space to talk about things, like go knock on the dressing room and be like, Hey, what's going on? Like, you seem upset. Like, let's talk about it. What's going on. What are you going to do about it? Because I think position people in any position of power, when they're upset, the whole, like everybody then is like walking on pins yeah. and needles yeah. and they're not, there's nobody that will address it. Like nobody, you know, that will be like, Hey, what are you doing? You're being a jerk. Like, let's fix this. So I was like the person that was having these. So it was like stepping into sort of life coaching role as well. And so that was the big part of it. So it's like, and even helping them set boundaries. We think these people that have it all, they're just like naturally like, Oh, well, you know, you could say no to that. Like, it's like, they're afraid to say opportunity, like, or say no to opportunities, just getting a million requests and stuff and looking at that. So like really like helping them sort out their lives. And so again, so they could actually find joy in all their aspects of there's like, it's funny. Jason Raz was one of the main people I did this for. And he just finally released the song last week. And it's, um, I think it's called, you might like, or I'm going to try, you might like it. I don't know, but the, the, the tagline is, is living your dream is hard work. 
but come on and try it. You might like it. But like, that is the reality. Like living your dream is hard. For me. <laughs> like, and like and There's a lot of it. So it's like, okay, so how can I move through these harder things and enjoy it? What I really love about that specifically is that it was your dream to go on tour with these artists to do sound. Right. And the, the bit where you mentioned that you it no longer felt good. So you took a break and then you went back to it, but you just went back to it in a different light. And so I love that because there's so many of us who actually are living our dream lives and do waking up and doing what we love every single day. But sometimes we fall out of love with the thing that we love because we're not giving it the attention it deserves or seeing it through a different lens. And so I really, really, really love that because um, you know, I've been working at soul cycle for, it'll be 11 years this month, 11 years. And I absolutely love, love, love what I do, but there are times where it's like, okay, you can, and this is going to sound, um, it won't sound great, but there have been times where I'm like, okay, every single class I teach is sold out. Every class I teach sells out at noon. Like, where's the challenge? Where's like, I need to be challenged. So, you know, there have been times in the past and I haven't felt this way actually since post pandemic, which has been amazing, but I'll, I'll specifically say there've been times where I don't want to use the word I get bored, but like, I'm just like, I like to be challenged. So I have to look at my job differently. I have to look at where I can infuse a challenge for myself and know that like every goal for you that you set for yourself is not like the end all be all goal. Like you just have to set a new goal and another goal and another goal and a different thing to like a different lens to look at the thing that you love through. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting. Cause I think a lot of people are doing what they love, but they fall out of love with what they're doing. Yeah, no, totally. And I love that you have that awareness and like, yeah, like to bring it back because yeah, like, you know, and I do, I remember. So when I was a, a monitor engineer, uh, and yeah, like, loved it. And it, uh, it's very like high stress too. Cause I would do sound for each person on stage had their own mix. Wow. So, um, you know, so it's a lot, but then, yeah, like you're on that same tour for a certain amount of time. And even if it is stressful, whatever you seem like used to it. And I really, I remember like for many years before this even happened, like starting to be like, okay, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And that, and maybe it was like, because like, great, I feel like I like kicked ass at this. So like, okay. what else, you know, like, is there, um, even though I still enjoyed it. So I would like say, yes, like I'd be like, Oh, okay. maybe. And I even did, I quit touring one time and went to work at like a house of blues as a production coordinator coordinator. Cause I was like, okay, I think I'm done touring this. And then I only lasted like a month. And then I got called for another tour and I was like, yeah, okay. I think I'm going to tour, like going back to doing sound. Like, cause again, I still did like love it. It would just sort of like lost some of the like sparkle or fulfillment or something too. But I think the reality too, like you said, you said we can fall out of love because there's a lot of aspects that come with your dream work, even that might not be your dream. Like for like a lot of those, the artists I work for, like they don't necessarily love giving interviews, but that is like part of it. But it was like, well, you can say no to them or can you like, and so that was like looking at, well, why would you want to do this? Like, can you understand, like, you might not love talking to all these different radio hosts that are asking the same questions over and over and might have these like whatever personality, ridiculous personalities, but think about like the people listening and how excited they are to get to hear from you, like your fans and have that connection to you. So like being able to look at it differently of like, yeah, why am I doing this? That makes you then want to show up from that. Like, oh yeah, that's why I'm signing up for this. But like, cause yeah, not every aspects of your dream. <laughs> are things that are like, woohoo, I can't wait to do this. And even, and even the big aspects too, like, again, they just become part of then 
routine. So like having to like re-infuse that with why do I want to do this? How can I make this be more fun, et cetera? Like, yeah, like why am I showing up instead of just showing up and going through the motions? Yeah. Why am I showing up? Why do I do this? And getting back to the why is always, yeah, that's always a powerful tool. I think that we, we can uh, come back to. So something you say, or your big motto rather is stop shooting all over yourself. So let's talk about how, what does it mean to stop shooting all over yourself and how can we stop doing that? (laughs) Yeah. So what happened, like, I didn't think that I was someone who lived a life of shoulds. And I say like my life had these two like key moments. One of them was when my dad died. I talked about another one when I was 15. Um, and I almost chose to stop living my life, life. I, I had a lot of undiagnosed pain and stuff that was making miserable and I couldn't sleep and things, but also just being a 15 year old. Yeah, that's hard. Um, on a 15 year old. And, it's hard on anybody, but at a 15 year old, when you're not cognitively like fully developed and you're just like, why is this happening to me? I can imagine that must've been extremely difficult. Yeah. And like my mom was great and was taking me to all sorts of doctors. Like I didn't feel like people weren't, you know, like, but the doctors would be like, there's, we can't see anything wrong with it. But at least like, I did have the experience of like my mom constant, you know, taking me to all these appointments, but I would miss a lot of school and nobody really like asked me about it. Even like, you know, just, I felt like a lot. And I had a mate, I had friends, I could be considered a cool kid, but everything really just felt superficial at those age, at that age too. And I just felt like I, so I had this moment where I really was like, gave myself two choices Um, and I realized I did not have the language for this back then, but now it was sort of seeing that I couldn't do anything about the physical pain at the time, but I could do something about the mental pain I was causing myself that like, I saw how much I was constantly weighing out. What would other people think about me? Like, what's your favorite song? It would be like, what should I say? What's the coolest song? What what's the, what would this person say? What would be the best reply? Like, even like, I know the answer. Do I raise my hand or not? Because what does that mean about me? Is it cool to be smart or not? Like that, like, I really like remembered weighing things out. And again, like I wasn't, it's just so interesting even looking back because I always felt like I was me, me and I had this sense of self, but also like really like weighing these things out. <laughs> and what I re- look like now, it was sort of just like constantly looking for acceptance. Like I just wanted to be accepted, which I think we all still like really crave. But I realized that I was looking outside of myself for this acceptance. And then I wasn't even being true to me. Like, right. Like, okay, if I say this, will you accept me if this, but really like, what does that matter if it's not what I want? So anyway, at that time in my life, I chose, okay, I'm going to choose to do life my way. I'm going to really try hard to care more about what I think and what I want than what everybody else does. And so I moved through my life that way, which made me then become the live sound engineer and everything like that. So, so I didn't think that I lived a life of shoulds. I did what I wanted regardless of whatever the people thought about me. Like I really did live that way. I'm not saying it was easy. It's still not, but you know, moving through that. But so when my dad passed away, I gave everything up. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I somehow got the message to give the word should up. And I was like, okay, I don't like, that's going to be so easy because I don't live a life of should. So like, all right, I'm going to give the word should up and maybe that'll help me figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, Because I knew I wanted to shake people up. So I committed to giving the word shut up and I was shocked at how much I used it like nonstop. And I really committed. So I would be like, what should... I should, what else do I say? Like, what do I say then? 
So I went, you know, I was like trying to figure it out. And I realized by switching the word should out for want, it changed everything. But it really gave me this just by paying attention to that one word that I didn't, I didn't think I lived a life of shoulds, but it was so implanted in my brain in all of these ways that I realized that the doubts, the fears, the inner judgments, shame from past choices, shame for my, my current self, my body, whatever it was, like all of these things were rooted in shoulds. So by just by paying to that one word, it became like, I became like a huge life hack. <laughs> and I feel like I became the most mindful person I knew. But what, what we're doing with shoulds is we're usually unconsciously looking outside of ourselves for our life choices. What should I do? What should I eat? What should I wear today? I should call my mom back whatever the things are, like someone tell me what my answers are. And by just swapping that word for want, I came back to me. What do I want to eat? What do I want to wear today? Do I want to do that? And just that really like opens up the conversation. I feel like for yourself to like, and that's honestly, it's been a journey that I've been on literally this whole year since January 1st is like stopping to ask, what do I want? What feels good? You know what I mean? And I feel like that's like, it changes everything. I feel like you feel so much more powerful, right? When yeah, totally. Forward. Just like, like that's what I'm saying, just from like that one shift and even for something small, like I said, and sometimes it's the same answer, right? Of like, oh, I should meditate. Well, why do I feel like I should meditate? You know, Cause that's too, it's a lot of it is asking myself questions. Right. When a lot of it is the why, or why do I feel like I should, or how would that make me feel? Okay, great. So I want to meditate. And then you're claiming that is your choice and not like I should meditate because that's what all the people do. And that, what will that mean about me and blah, blah, blah. And so, and so everybody else is talking about how they meditate. Well, then also looking like, do I want to, or do I just feel like I should, what do I want there? I want the results of the meditation, but if I don't really feel like that's for me, well, what else could I do? Maybe I'll do some deep breathing. Maybe I'll go for a walk. Maybe I'll this like, you know, but we're like making the thing is. So sometimes, like I said, it's, you're not even changing what the choice is, but oh yeah, I, this is my choice. You're seeing that everything is your choice, not here's all these things, get it done. This is all on you. Right. And I think that's also like, it just goes hand in hand with like how much society says, like if you wake up every day and you meditate and you journal and you make yourself a smoothie and you go on a hot girl walk and you, I don't even know, you get where I'm going with this, but if you do all of these things and you wake up at 5am and, and, and you check all these boxes, like then you're living your life right. And you're doing what you're supposed to do. And the thing is like, and then we shame ourselves when we don't do those things. And so it's like, well, this doesn't, this isn't working out. Like we have to like, I guess it's like really also, you know, it all goes and coincides with like living in alignment really. Um, and, and life is just, it just goes better when we listen to ourselves, when we ask ourselves like our own personal, like internal compass to say like, does this feel good? Do I want to do this for me? Not like you said, should I do this thing? But do I want to do this? Thing? It changes everything. How we show up in the world, how we feel. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's such it, it's such a small thing that really does change everything. And mainly because, like you said, it changes how you feel and how you feel about yourself. That we are like again, those examples of these amazing morning machines. I, was, I saw one on TikTok the other day, and this world was like, she wakes up at four, like does all these things, and I was just like, no. No good for like, you know, I do when I do laundry twice a week on Wednesdays and this is whatever. And I was just like, that is amazing for you. I have anxiety thinking about that. And here's the thing. When people share their stuff, their stories and their stuff, it's like, you got to look at that's great for you, but not, this is what I should be doing then. 
Oh, so then that's what happens though. We can look at stuff and like, that's what I should be doing. All the wellness hacks, this, whatever. So I should have this. And yeah, like you end up yeah, creating like a 25 step morning routine based on what you've seen everybody do. (laughs) One thing that like, I am all about, it's like, it's not even your situation. It's not like your situation. It's what, what is the best way to say it? It's really, it's like sort of your situation. It's not even your situation that matters, but how you feel about it right? Or like your choices. So let's say two people be like, oh, don't get on your phone in the morning. Scrolling on your phone is terrible. That it's how you feel, right? So if you wake up and you're on your phone and then it makes you feel bad about yourself, you don't get out of bed, you're this. And that sounds like it's, yeah, like let's try not scrolling in the morning. If you go for your phone in the morning and it wakes you up and it brings you joy and it like motivates you to get out of bed somehow, then like, okay, it's not like, so it's like, where are you making choices based on how other people feel in in their lives or how you feel? Just whatever your situation is, it's how you feel about it. And lots of times though, we're programmed with how we think we should feel like your body, your size, right? It's like nobody's size or body is right, but we have been conditioned that this is what we should look like. So then you can feel right or wrong. You can have the, everyone adores that body. I want that body, but you might not feel awesome in your body because again, you feel like I should be stronger this way or look at this thing, like whatever. So often people are focused on what, what we think things should look like. So once I do this, then I'll like, and it's looking like, so once I have this, once I look like this, then I'll feel enough. Then I'll be enough. Once I have this, once I look like this, once I'm in this relationship, can buy this purse, whatever, then I'll be successful. Then I'll be fulfilled. But a lot of times we never focus on what would that feel like? So you even get those things. I have this, I hit my goal target this, I do all that stuff. But if you've never gotten clear with, well, what does that feel like to be enough? What does it feel like to feel successful? What does that feel like to be fulfilled? All of those things, even once you accomplish them, really don't mean anything to you. You're just moving it on to another marker. Oh, okay, well now maybe once I make this much money, that then I'll feel fulfilled. But it's like, what would that actually feel like to be fulfilled? Does that make sense? I feel like I went in eight nine circles trying to get this. No, I understand. I do. I follow. I totally follow. Um, it's just, it's all interesting to stop and think about those things. I feel like so much of what we do and we say and how we live is just on autopilot. So much of it is on autopilot. So much of it is just like, you know, doing all the things that we're supposed to do all day long and not stopping to think, you know, does it feel good? So this is, you wrote this entire book on how to stop shitting on yourself to F the shoulds and do the wants. And this is about living your life in alignment. This is about, um, you know, jumping all the way into your biggest dream life, but feeling really good throughout the process. Um, so what are some other things that you kind of share tips and tricks in your book that you share, um, for people who are trying to find their way and lean, you know, live more in alignment? Yeah. So I go deep into, like I said, all the ways that should mess with us. And we don't realize from shame, doubts, fears, um, guilt, resentment and that, but then also looking at, okay, so well, what do you want? Cause a lot of times people don't even know what they want because they're, they've just been following the shoulds and thinking that's what they want. So it's like, wait, do I want this? Or is this what I feel like I should want also, right. but so getting clear on that, but then also you may know what you want, but ha- you're not showing up for it. <laughs> I'm like, great. I know I want this. So looking at ways as well to like, I want this, but I don't have time or I don't have this or once I, you know, I'm able to do this, that. So being able to like cut out excuses and procrastination 
So it's funny because again, one way that we stop ourselves from moving forward on things is because we're thinking of a way we should do it, right? Even like, oh, I want to write a book. So maybe I'll just wait until I have like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go away to a cabin. Like how many people I know. And I think I had that idea too. Like, great. Like I'm going to go away to some cabin and then I will take all that time and I'll write the book. And so we like, imagine these ideal ways to do it or ways that we see other people doing it. And then we just never really do it. So all I need is just a hole away somewhere in a cabin upstate and like, give me seven days. And by the end of that seven days, you know what? I'm going to have a book and you like, it doesn't really work that way. Like that's like something in the movies. I mean, it could work that way, I suppose, but. Yeah, but that's, we like, we like imagine these scenarios, scenarios that like, once I have all of this time or once I have the money or once I have this, then I'll be able to do this once. So we like, again, keep putting the once off. So I also break it down to like, okay, well, how can you make baby steps? Like one of my biggest mantras is any minutes is more than no minutes. Any progress is more than no progress. Baby steps are steps. And like, because again, even now, like I use this for all things in my life. Like, oh, I know I will feel better once I exercise, but I don't want to exercise. Okay. Just five minutes. Like, and then usually like once you are in that, then you're like, oh, okay, I have time. Or even if you're like, I really only have time for five minutes you actually feel a difference after five minutes, right? Like yoga, I'll be like, oh, I can't, I can't do yoga. That was one of my biggest things. Like after having kids, I want to make, do yoga. I want to wake up in the morning to do yoga. And, but it was like, in my mind, doing yoga was like 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm not doing yoga unless I'm doing that much. And then when it happened, okay, well maybe 30 minutes. Like, again, I was imagining how I thought I should do yoga. Right. And I was like, okay, how about just five minutes? I like, and then again, still like the waking up wasn't happened. So it's like, great, I'm going to do any minutes of yoga with my kids climbing on top of me. And that's how it got it started. And then I tapped into, oh, wow, this is why I want to do yoga, how it feels. And so again, you're tapping into this feels so good. So then you're then motivated to make that bigger commitment to it. Yeah. But if you don't have that connection to it, you just keep putting it off. So it's like, all right, just five minutes. Like what can, like just five minutes, same thing for like writing a book or starting new projects. I will tell myself like, okay, I'm going to take the whole day tomorrow to work on this or something. And then it's like, okay, let me do my laundry. Let me clean. Let me just finish these emails. Like, let me do this, whatever. Like, where did the day go? And so then it's just like, all right, just five minutes. I'm going to open this document and I'm going to like put my ideas down the page for five minutes. Like stuff happens in that five minutes. And then again, so it's even if you commit to doing something for five minutes every day, you're building upon doing it. But yeah, so looking at again, like, what are these things that you want? Why do you want them? How will it make you feel to do the things? And then your motivation showing up and then like actually figuring out ways to make it happen in your current life with your current capacity, with your current budget and all of those things instead of the one day, someday. One day, someday is, yeah, that's far off into the future. Where are we at right now? You know, in this moment. So what if um, being true to ourselves and doing the things that we actually want to do versus what we think we're supposed to do and should do. What if we disappoint other people while we are trying to take care of our own needs? Yeah, that definitely can happen, especially if you've not been someone who has been prioritizing yourself and your own needs. But one thing like to realize, well, first of all, I always, I think that self-care which is making those choices that are for you. So whether it's self-care to wake up and do yoga or work on the projects that you want to do. So basically when you're prioritizing yourself, it's really 
the best thing for everyone in your life. Because again, noticing like how you feel and how you show up. So let's say, you know, whether it's okay, I'm going to make time to exercise. And so that means saying no to this or to that, or I'm not going to go to brunch or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to have that time with my kids. Whatever the thing is that you're choosing to make time for yourself for, whether it's working on a project that you've been putting off forever, exercising or something, how do you feel once you do the thing? Like, right, you feel energized, motivated, present. Your energy is so different from then if you just say, oh, never mind, I'll just push my needs aside again. And like, I'm just, okay, I'll continue showing up that. Like when I don't take time for myself to exercise on the days that my kids are off school on the weekends, then I'm like so much more short tempered. (laughs) I'm not like the best, the better version of me. But so it's like, I've had to learn, okay, kids, nope, we're not going anywhere until mommy has at least 20 minutes of movement because It's like, it can seem like they just want to get out of the house. I want to get out of the house. I want to get this day rolling, but it's better for everybody. If I take this time, because who am I going to be? I'm going to be nicer. (laughs) Who am I going to be if I do these things? So, so one looking at that. And again, like that's one instance. It could be, again, you're saying, no, this is another thing too. When you're living your wants, you actually have to pick and choose what wants you're doing. Like that's a part of it too. You can't say yes to everything because you have limited, limited time, capacity, budget, no matter where you are. Like I did totally burn myself out at a point saying yes to absolutely everything. So that's who you have to pick and choose. And so sometimes that means, oh, I'm disappointed by myself that I'm making this choice, but why? Like, what is the best choice for me right now? So you might be saying no to other people, but again, like, what is that doing for you? How is that fulfilling you so that you can then show up for the things, the people in your life as the version of you that you want to be? So you might have to say no, but then who you are, you're more present, you're more energized, you're more aligned because you're showing up for those things. Again, even if it's a project that nobody even understands at this point, and they're like, what are you talking about? But when you're showing up for yourself, you are then going to be coming into every aspect, even like when you're out running errands, right? When you're in a car, when you're showing up for yourself and making these commitments, whether it's physical or projects, you're like living in this different vibrational energy. So it's like, oh, go ahead, car go ahead. Oh, do you want to go first? Like seriously. Right. But when you're not, you're constantly giving yourself to everyone else. And you know, like, because you're afraid of disappointing others. And a lot of times you're like, "Mm." (laughs) yes, it's so true. It is so, so true. It does really like it spills over. It spills over into everything that we do, the interactions that we have with other people, how we show up in the world, even, even when you're not even speaking, it's just the energy that you carry around with you. Like it, it, it spills over. Yeah. And so that's like, who do you want the people in the world to get to experience? But also I said all of that, but then like the big thing too, is like, would you rather have the possibility of disappointing somebody or abandoning yourself because you're continuously disappointing yourself because you're choosing other people over yourself. And this is the thing too, the levels of disappointment, we're afraid of disappointing people. When you say no, when you cancel plans, whatever the things are, they might just be like, oh, bummer. Cause I would love to see you, but they're not like, really like my life is over. You're a terrible person. How dare you do that? Sometimes that might happen. Those people are probably not the people that you want to be giving your time and energy to if they're like going to burn you down because of that. Like most people will be like, oh, I honor you that you're making the best choices for you. I am disappointed. I of course wanted you to be there and that. So like the level of disappointment too, but like the people that you want in your life are the people that are going to understand that you are choosing to make the best choices for yourself. And when people say no to me, or when people cancel on me, I am so happy for them. I'm like, I'm so glad that you're making the choices that are best for you right now. Yeah, I do love that. And that's, 
that's also like, it's about communication and being vulnerable, not, and there's a difference between communicating that you can't be somewhere or you can't do something because it doesn't feel good. And there's a difference between giving your, like feeling like you have to explain yourself or giving excuses or all of that. And there's a difference between saying you can't do something or you can't go somewhere or be somewhere. And then giving a reasoning, not because you feel like you, the need to explain yourself, but because you're doing, cause you care about that person and say like, I'm being vulnerable and you know, this is, I'm going through such and such and it doesn't feel good for me right now. You know? Cause there's, there is like that. I don't know if I'm explaining it fine. Right. But like, you know, there's that fine line between like, you're like, I don't need to explain myself. Like no is an answer. No is a, is a sentence or whatever they say, you know, like, uh, no is a full sentence. Uh, but you know, when you care about people, it's, it's okay to, to give a little vulnerability around why it doesn't feel good right now, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get you on that. And I mean, I feel like a lot of times that no is a full sentence thing, you know, it's like for me and when I'm using it, that would be more for people that I don't really have that deep of a relationship with, or there's someone that maybe, um, are not great at, at boundaries and stuff like that. Because if you give explanations to people that are only really after their own stuff, then they won't hear you anyway. They're just going to take what you're saying and talk you into it. Like, right. So if, if I, there are people that it's like, you just, they cannot understand people's time and energy and that whatever. And so like, they're just not like their boundary pushers without realizing it. And by the way, I think I used to be one of these people. Um, <laughs> but that's, I, that's what I would say to my, like, and I was like, Oh, I realized like, so if somebody said, Oh no, sorry that timing doesn't work for me, you know, or like, because like, whatever, then I would, you could come back with, oh, okay, well, I could just do this and this and this, like, you know, like I would, could find a way to be like, oh, like, oh, you can't do that. Well, I can make it easier for you by doing it this way. You know what I mean? So like, sometimes when you're giving people an explanation for it, they're just going to like neuter the way in and you need to, fi- need to figure out who is the like, no, no, that doesn't work for me. No, can't help you. But yeah, with the people in your lives that you do have that deeper relationship and understand it for me, it's like become, it's like now years and years and years ago, when I started this, it was like learning that I'm allowed to say no, even though I don't have plans. Like I can say no to not going to that thing. Like this was like over a decade ago. I felt so selfish and wrong. And how dare I like say, I'm not going to come support them at their show when I don't have any other plans. My plans are, I'm going to like read a book and go to bed. And we're realizing like, oh, I have plans with myself though. Like, that's really what I want. Like, I felt like I wasn't allowed to do that. And so by being honest about like, oh, I love you. I support you so much, you know, have an awesome show. And, you know, I'm going to stay home. I need to take care of myself. Like, like I ended up teaching people oh, we're allowed to do this. Like, you know, it's like I had to grant myself that permission. And then because of that, people were like, right, good for you. I can also say no. I can, I don't have to say yes to every invitation. Like, yeah. (laughs) and that doesn't mean I'm a bad friend, like too, or whatever. Like, so it's like expressing, I love you. I support you. Like I even too, like I was so into music that became why I became a live sound engineer. And then for a while, I didn't want to have anything to do with music. And I had so many friends that were then musicians. So I felt bad about not going. So I was like, but then it was like, it's okay. It's like, really, it's not about you. So I was like, I love you. I'm going to come say hi to you before the show and then leave. And that was like, felt wrong to me at first. How dare I? And then I was like, but that's, I'm allowed to, I don't want to be at their show. And they don't want me sitting in the back being like grumpy because I don't want to be at a show and be in that environment. Like, but I would have felt like, that's what the good friend does. I'm going to sit there through that show. I do love their music. I just don't want to be in that environment. I want to be in bed, like whatever. And like, oh, I get to say, I love you. I support you. I'm going to come give you a hug before your show. 
you know, maybe I'll eat lunch with you or whatever at soundcheck. And then I'll see, and then like, see you later. It's like realizing that, wow, we can, it doesn't mean I'm a bad friend because I don't do it this way. Well, then how can I show that love and support? Right. And we can each apply that to our own lives and whatever parameters that, you know, make sense. I love that. Um, okay. So we'll take up all your time. Last question I'll ask you is what is the best piece of advice that you would give your younger self? The best piece of advice I would give my younger self. Hmm. Well, besides the, the whole mission, <laughs> like besides the whole mission of the shoulds, I think that, um, this is a quote that I came upon when I was like 19 and I was fighting my way into being a live sound engineer as a girl, young girl. And it, it like really saved me and has continued to. And my daughters are both named after this quote. So I think just even like implanting that quote in myself, even younger, like I've done with my children, it's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. And it's no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Um, and so, and that really changed everything for me when I was like, heard that because yeah, people were judging me, telling me I didn't belong. You're never going to be good enough, all that stuff like that. And then realizing like, you can hear all of that and like, but no one can make me feel in fear without my consent. Like, so that isn't like, well, what do I believe? And that is a lot of like, F the shit in the once, like we're looking like, well, what is everybody going to think about me? They may think this, but like, what do I believe is possible for me? And that's one of the biggest things that I ask myself because doubts, fear, shame, all of that stuff is not going to continue. It's not going to go away, right? As evolved as we get, as mindful as we get, as much self-work, our brains are still wired to have those thoughts. And so again, the questioning them that one of the biggest shifters for me is like, is that what I want to believe? Like, okay, oh, you can't wear that because you're this, or you can't do that, or they're just going to say no to you. So why even try? Then just simply asking, is that what you want to believe? Is such a big game changer. And so that quote has been like such a go-to for me. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you and everyone run out and grab her book, F the shoulds, do the wants. Thank you, Trisha. Thank you. All right. That is a wrap for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Trisha and I hope that you will go out and get her book. F the shoulds do the once you can follow her on Instagram at underscore T R I C I A H U F F M A N. There we go. Got it out. Trisha Huffman with an underscore in front. So follow her on Instagram. Uh, definitely pick up a copy of her book and share it with your friends. Also, if you're not following the Very Best Self podcast, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Very Best Self. Follow me at Victoria Brown. And that is a wrap for today's episode. I will see you next week on Tuesday. I appreciate you and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.